Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Calabrio Shorts. My name is Dave Hookstra, Calabrio's product evangelist, and we are going to be talking about forecast accuracy today. It's one of those topics that comes up quite a bit, but we don't really do it a lot of uh, justice a lot of times when we talk about it. So my guest today is uh, Matt Osgood. Matt is a solutions engineer here at Calabrio who has pretty extensive uh, experience dealing with forecasting and uh, kind of how that works. So Matt, uh, thanks so much for being here with us today. And tell us a little bit about how you kind of arrived at this journey. I always love to hear how uh, our WFM gurus landed where they are today. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Dave. Um, yeah, my, my uh, journey was a little unique. Uh, I have been working around contact centers um, for over 20 years now, going back to high school. And I, I was challenged by an executive at the first contact center I worked at. Um, uh, he, he'd send me kind of riddles in an email uh, as I was I was working as a, a team lead at the time, but show, kind of showing interest in some of the scheduling uh, practices that they were doing. So he started sending me kind of what I didn't know at the time were workforce management kind of um, riddles or questions. And I, I started having discussions with it with him. And he ended up um, asking me to, to start scheduling for the organization that I was working with then. And, you know, it was kind of just a, a natural growth from for me from that point, because I was I had a history in applied mathematics and schooling and stuff. And so it just really it really in interested me, like the deeper I got into scheduling and forecasting, the more I wanted to learn. Um, so I grew with that call center and then, um, you know, joined some other organizations doing capacity planning globally. Um, but. Uh, different working with different tools, installing different tools before ultimately landing here at Calabrio. That's that's awesome. Although I have to give to tell you, nothing gives my heart palpitations more than hearing the phrase applied mathematics. Uh, <laughs> I was not a math guy in school at all. Uh, and there, there, the reason I love WFM is because it, you get to work with people, not because you get to work with math. But yeah. I suppose there are two kinds of people. right? Yeah, for, for <laughs> me, I mean, I, the, the, the people came later for me. The, the, right. my, my, my initial love was the math. Uh, well, the, the world needs both of us. Let's just put it that way, right? <laughs> yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about forecasting, right? And, you know, I, I'm going to assume that the people listening to this particular episode at least have a pretty good grasp of kind of what the point of forecasting is. Um, hopefully, they're listening to this because it's an interesting topic. And if it's an interesting topic, we probably don't need to explain to them what that is. But one of the questions that comes up quite often, especially in, you know, in a early phases of someone trying to find a workforce management solution, usually get questions like, well, how accurate are your forecasts? Tell me, tell me how, what's your, you know, your plus or minus uh, differential. And I know that the answer depends very heavily, but if you were to talk to somebody about ways to start to improve forecast accuracy, where, where, where would you start? What are some of the things, some of the tips and tricks you might be able to give to somebody to say, this can have a pretty decent effect on your accuracy percentage? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, a lot is dependent on on where you're at currently, right? Because moving from, you know, a 90% forecast accuracy to a 95% compared to move, going from a 75% to a 90%, you know, there's different challenges that you're going to face at those different areas of your progression. Um, right. But getting started, you know, it's 
really important to understand your business. Uh, you know, the, whoever is building that forecast really needs to be um, in lockstep with um, product teams or with finance teams that know the direction the business is going. Um, in addition, you want to be very familiar with your historical data. Make sure that historical data is is accurate. It's scrubbed for any anomalies. You have good, smooth data. Um, and so when you're trying to, you know, bring those together, you know, create that marriage of your data, uh, your historical data and your, your business knowledge, knowing where you're going, you want to bring those together. Obviously, you know, using a good algorithm, if you're using Clabrio, you know, you, you got the, it's going to do the heavy lifting of that math for you, but we need to understand where the business has been and where it's going and then layer those together in order to, um, you know, qualify the um the the quantitative metrics that the the, the a forecast algorithm is going to spit out to us so give me an example of how you know the wfm team can work with another department in the organization to understand that where we where we came from and more importantly where we're headed yeah so example from my past um you know i was working at uh you know a um a ride sharing uh, company we're doing projections uh for for the we do it we do yearly projections you know so we want to get a rough idea of what 2020 is going to look like from a staffing perspective um we come into that 2019 and we have uh uh, a, a very robust financial uh, team that is um, building out the projections for, you know, what our bookings look like for the next year. And based on that, we can we're, we're looking at this past year, how many actual bookings we had compare that versus our contact volumes for all of our different lines of business um, to get an idea of what that contact rate is. Um, we're able to apply that against those bookings for next year to get a baseline for an idea, a ballpark of where our forecast might be. Now, I'll add, you know, layered onto that, we're also we're going to talk to our product team who's, you know, working to reduce those contact rates, reduce the customer friction in different areas. So where, you know, we got, um, you know, two contacts to every thousand uh, users um, that on a specific issue last year, we're expecting that to go down to 1.5 maybe next year. So we're able uh -huh. to layer in those product improvements, those uh, uh, into the overall forecast, um, but basing it on where we were last year and then uh, building in where we're going to go next year. And just out of morbid curiosity, uh, what as as a rideshare company, what was the singular event that that drove uh, that drove your your bookings? Um, singular event. Uh, yeah. What was what was the one thing? Was it the Super Bowl? Was it uh, you know? Was it what what was what was that one thing that just struck struck fear in everyone's heart? New Year New Year's Eve. <laughs> New Year's probably, Eve is probably probably yeah. and Halloween actually is a, is another really was another really big one. Um, but uh, there, interesting. There, there's actually uh, you know some social media noise that can cause uh, massive changes in your needs overnight. So um, that ability to be able to you know flex and and and, and adjust your expectations very quickly is is important. And um, yeah. 
Oh, I was, I was going to say, I think that's such a great example how you mentioned working with the product team, right? This particular, uh, last year was a problem because we didn't have this particular feature in our product. Now we've addressed it and now it's available as kind of a self-service option. Right. So we're, we're expecting significantly fewer things. I think that's a great example. Some of the other things that I've seen maybe on a more basic level are make sure you're communicating with the marketing team. Make sure we know when that... Uh, that email that's going to go out that says, hey, free shipping on orders over $40. If you don't know about that in advance, it's going to just absolutely ruin your forecast. These are the little tiny little things that making sure you're communicating well in advance with other areas of your uh, your contact center and outside your contact center into the organization. These are things that can just wreak havoc on your forecast accuracy. Now, the other thing you said Matt, that I want to have you dig in a little bit deeper. You, you mentioned kind of cleaning up the anomalies mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, let's go to, to a little bit of a basic level because I know that forecasting on the one hand is one thing, but cleaning up the anomalies is another thing. What What's the process that you kind of, what a typical WFM user would go through to kind of make sure those anomalies well, let's talk. Let's start there. Why, why would anybody care about cleaning up the anomalies? Well, you know, it with uh, when if you've worked in a contact center, we've all we've all been there when something bad, an outage has happened, or uh, we're, we get thousands of calls in a minute where we're get it where we're normally getting you know 10 or 20 calls and those types of events can s- significantly skew um individual intervals when they're when they're so far out of line to your normal um you know where wednesday at one o'clock on you know one day we got a thousand calls but our average for a six month period on that same interval is say 10 or 20 calls if we build a forecast and we do not remove you know remove or smooth over that one anomalous day we're going to end up expecting you know 20 30 40 percent more volume on that interval than we should um so you know as a as a u- user of a wfm a system you know we typically f- first i you know identify the historical data that that is meaningful to us for for the forecast that we're doing whether that's multiple years of data or just q1 data mm-hmm. we'll pull that up and we'll specifically look for um, individual days um you know a platform like calabrio is going to isolate and highlight days that um are deviating from the the average by more than 10% or 20%, depending on how you set up the system. So you can quickly identify days that are out of out of alignment with your normal averages as far as handle time or contact volume. And how you choose to handle that, whether you, um, you you know, manually overwrite um, that day to the the average for the period um, or something of that nature, there's different ways to handle it. But you just want to make sure that you don't proceed with that forecast with any major, um, uh, you know, any days or intervals that are majorly out of alignment with those typical averages. And because you can't, we, we can't plan for an outage right uh we don't know right. when that's going to happen we um 
we want we want to plan for a, a normal Tuesday, a normal Wednesday, and then have processes in place to in case something does happen in order to adjust on the fly. And so I, I think a good example of that, just to completely take it out of call center terms, there's a there's a great little comic going around the internet right now that uh, it says that, uh, did you know the average person eats on average two spiders a, a, a year or something like that? And and the guy says, yeah, uh, most people eat zero, but that guy's eating 40 <laughs> spiders a day, right? And, and that's a great example of why you want to clean the anomalies up, right? If we remove the anomaly, our averages are actually much cleaner. And that's, it can really pull. And so uh, anomalies can be an outage, like you said, but they can also be a scheduled predicted event, just like we were talking about earlier, uh, New Year's Eve. Right. When you right. know New Year's Eve is going to be insane, you don't want New Year's Eve to, to affect your normal Tuesday distribution or your normal weekly distribution. Right. Those Definitely. are that's why we do it. So the the uh, the analogy that I use a lot is that forecasting is like a garden. Right. You, you you can't just throw some seeds down and walk away and expect to come back to these beautiful uh, plants. Right. Uh, you, you have to you have to treat the soil. You have to, you know, water it. You have to weed. You have to put down your organic pesticides. You have to prune, you know, badly. You really do have to put in a fair amount of work. And as good as computers have gotten these days about recognizing these kind of things, the computer still doesn't know that the reason you got way more calls last Tuesday is because some knucklehead in marketing sent out an email that they shouldn't have sent out, right? right. It just knows that you got more calls. <laughs> exactly, right? It's I, I got more calls and all I'm doing is creating an average here and you know that's what's going to happen. So it's very important to go back and make sure that we really spend the time cleaning out those anomalies that, uh, that, that we go through. Now, one of the other situations that comes up for a lot of people is um, creating forecasts from scratch, right? So uh, this happened to me a lot. I used to work for a BPO and we would get an email that says, hey, how many people do we need for a thousand calls a day? And I'm like, whoa, not even close to enough information there, right? So when we're talking about kind of creating a forecast and having it accurate from scratch like what what are some tips or some recommendations you might have uh in that area so this is this is yeah something i i ran into a lot in um my my, my last role you know doing uh kind of global capacity planning and going back uh, prior to that, I was working with a company, a global company that um, op we operated in 14 different languages. And while I was there, we were consistently opening up. It felt like a new language line every two months or, or so mm -hmm. as, as we were ramping up. And depending on the type of, you know, the line of business, uh, usually there is some a corollary within your organization that you might be able to reference, whether it's another queue. Um, or uh, potentially, some, you know, if through a website, you might be able to track the amount of traffic that's coming through a specific um, help hub that that's going to be opened up for customers to call in. So you can use that as a baseline. But something I've done a lot in the past is, you know, 
trying to working with um, you know the teams that are that are creating this this new line of business or new product to understand how it relates to the rest of the business um, to identify which lines of business we have existing that might have similar customer behavioral patterns and we can use that to to initialize um, you know our arrival patterns so we we might know that generally uh, when our customers are going to call might be very similar between between this new line of business and an existing line of business. We can take that existing line of business, apply the intraday templates that we've built for them and apply those to this new line of business and leverage, uh, you know, like I was saying, potentially website information as far as traffic pair that um, in different areas of our help sites to get an idea of what our contact rate might be, what our overall inbound volume might be compared to existing lines of business. Marry those two together and kind of you're typically able to get a good working baseline from. Obviously, the, the less you know, you know, you know you're less you're able to discern about that new line of business up front, the less accurate your forecasts are going to be up front. Mm-hmm. But typically, um, you know, the people that are closest to that launch are going to know a lot about it. And, you know, you can work across your organization to draw insights from uh, from those product owners. So, you know, you bring about a good point is that a lot of times when building a forecast, um, there are organizations that are fortunate enough to be able to only use their historical interaction data, right? Mm-hmm. Just how many calls did you get and you can go. Yeah. But there are a lot of organizations that have to bring in external factors, right? Uh, things like website hits or new account signups or things like that. So how how would you bring in some of those external factors to enhance that accuracy? What what are some things that somebody might be able to do to kind of figure that out? Well, I mean, typically you you need you're looking at ratios and 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 you want to and you're comparing versus established groups. So you know where. Um, you know, maybe on a like a, a claims issue, I know what my traffic is through this specific customer service contact path. And I know how many phone calls, I know how many emails I'm getting from that. So I can, I, I have that ratio. And then with a new line of business, I might have one side of that ratio. And then I'm, mm-hmm. I'm filling in the blanks, you know, by comparing it to that existing uh, area. That's the ideal is that you have, you know, an established group that you can look at that that same uh, ratio against to apply versus a new line of business. So let's go back to your original kind of point you made. What if I am at sitting at 95% and I want to get to 98%? Is there is there a magic bullet there? No magic bullet. Like 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 what you were saying before, it's 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 hard work and attention to detail. Um, you know, th- there's uh, a, a lot of moving parts and you got to be really you you want to identify trends in your inaccuracy as well as your accuracy right because uh-huh. um, you're you're when, when you're getting when you're getting that close to the line uh, typically you know you, you're going to identify either changes over time in your customers behavior that you want to stay ahead you want to you want to stay on top of so where if we're looking at um you know the the times of day the days of week in which our forecast is starting to deviate and the rates of change of that so 
you know, maybe three weeks ago on on my weekend graveyards, uh, I was within 5%. And then I, I, I've seen, seeing that dipping to where by, by this week, you know, over the, over that weekend, I'm, I'm off by 10% and it's continually moving in the same direction up or down, uh, continually reevaluating, those uh those arrival patterns and updating your forecasts the one the one major thing also in in regards to um that level the high level of forecast accuracy is how how often are we revisiting it um because mm-hmm. some organizations you know uh which i've worked in in the past will put out a forecast for um you know an entire year and an entire quarter is locked. So we have forecasts three months out, halfway through that quarter, we may have new information to where we know, we know our forecasts are, are, are not gonna be good for the rest of that quarter, but we can't change them because <laughs> we're, we're locked into uh, you know budgets with partners or with other organizations. We know that we're gonna manage to change numbers, but due to how how we uh you know operate we can't actually change the forecasts so you know the process is a big part in in being able to get to that you know 95 plus percent accuracy range um but uh you're never getting there if you're not staying close to the data you're not staying close to the business and the and the owners of the different areas that are going to drive the business forward like we were talking about I think that's that maybe the lesson that's really important here is that the tool is a big chunk of it, right? The tool's going to save a lot of legwork and a lot of processing and a lot of Excel spreadsheet creation. Or I know you, you're a big fan of Google Sheets, but uh, allow you to scale to like yeah. the yeah. Yeah. And scale to, you know, the point where, so what we notice a lot of times is, Hey, we implemented this WFM tool and our forecasts got more accurate and we're spending a lot less time doing it, but it's the law of diminishing returns. We can get from 75 to 90% by clicking a few buttons and, and really not thinking about it, but to get from turn 90 to 95, you have to put the work in, you have to really understand where, where those little pieces are. And, and I think that's, the thing that I want people to take most from this is that, you know, as much as we'd love to admit that there's a button out there that can do all of this for you, there's there's still there's a reason that we kind of refer to forecasting as kind of a blend between art and science. Uh, the the science part, there's a lot of math and a lot of fancy algorithms that are working behind the scenes to do a lot of this work for you, but. The art of this is understanding your business, understanding the organization, understanding those factors that aren't necessarily captured by a phone switch, right? Those right. are, this, this is great. So we covered, uh, we covered, you know, cleaning up the anomalies. We covered kind of putting in the, the right amount of work. Any other, any other things that you, uh, that really kind of trip off the radar for you when talking about forecasting accuracy? Um, I, I, I think I mentioned it a little bit there in the last part, but um, you know, reporting and the data availability, because you you want to you want to have a consistent and easily accessible and consistent view into how your forecast is performing, um, and so it's I th- I feel it's very key to have that kind of live streaming dashboard available. Um, 
to where you kind of always know where you're at compared to what you were expecting and you're always evaluating that um yep. and not only that but debrief sessions as well right post-mortems yes uh, that truly look granular at that information and can uh, i'll let you talk about that a little bit yeah yeah so and 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 that that goes back to uh you know being on top the pull that pulse of the business so what you're mentioning when somebody sends out a, a product marketing email uh without and work that workforce wasn't aware of and we spike way off um those are types of things that in the past you know they can they can actually be a good thing long term because you're identifying a gap in your processes you're able to bring that organization into the into the wfm fold so to speak have a post-mortem here's what went wrong next time this happens here's what we want to do next time something then you can create a closed loop process around that with all your groups so yeah um depending on the speed at which your organization moves uh something like bi-weekly or monthly cadence meeting with each one of those kind of different shareholders across the organization that you're interacting with in order to build those uh accurate forecasts very important yeah it's just like growing tomatoes man it's uh you know you you can have good tomatoes this year but if you want great tomatoes next year you gotta you gotta learn from what you did and and what what the changing factors are and things like that so uh, matt this has been amazing uh i think this is super valuable information a lot of people are going to benefit from so it's been really great having you be a part of the collaborative shorts group here uh thanks so much for joining us yeah thanks for having me dave yeah absolutely and to those of you who are listening thank you as always for spending some time with us at Calabrio. if you need more information or want to tap into somebody with the kind of expertise that matt has give us a shout let us know go to collabrio.com and uh, and send us a message we'll be glad to talk with you about your forecasting and many other things that are context interrelated so we're super happy to have you as a listener and uh, we'll see you again on the next episode of Calabrio shorts thanks everybody have a great day